The second gospel lesson comes from the evangelist Matthew, reading from chapter 5, a portion of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Jesus said, You have heard that it was said to those of ancient times, You shall not swear falsely, but carry out the vows you have made to the Lord. But I say to you, do not swear at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is God's footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let your word be yes, yes, or no, no. Anything more than this comes from the evil one. You have heard it said that an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist an evildoer, but if anyone strikes you on the right cheek, turn the other also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your coat, give your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go also the second mile. Give to everyone who begs from you and do not refuse anyone who wants to borrow from you. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be children of your mother, father, God. For God makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the righteous and on the unrighteous. But if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers and sisters, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? Be perfect, therefore, as the Holy One is perfect. And from the letter to the Colossians, reading from chapter 3. As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bear with one another, and if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the holy name of Jesus, giving thanks to God through him. The word of the Lord. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable unto you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. The recent passing of evangelist Billy Graham received the usual news media treatment for the death of a prominent public person. What received almost no attention in the media was Billy Graham's unblemished character, his simple piety. Sure, Billy Graham said some things he later wished he hadn't said, and for which he offered sincere public apologies. 
but no scandal. Nada. This man didn't even ride in the car alone with a woman other than his wife. He really was a man who practiced what he preached. I suppose it is not fair to compare any of the public men whose character and reputation has been tarnished, if not downright destroyed, by public revelations of their private lives, to compare such men with a saintly man like Billy Graham. But the recent revelations of disgusting behavior by men formerly respected by many, including award-winning journalists, elected officials, candidates for public office, and the response of the Me Too movement, all of this is changing the dynamics of relations in the workplace, in the marketplace, and in the courthouse square. As a man, and as a person of faith, I am supportive of these changes taking place. And as a man of the cloth, as we used to say, I find it interesting and encouraging that there is a new conversation going on in terms of public and private life. A conversation that says, What one does in one's private life has a bearing on how one is judged in one's public life. A conversation not unrelated to our word for the day. Piety. Piety and its adjectival form, pious, are words that don't easily roll off our lips. If we use the word pious, it is likely in a sentence such as, that pious so-and-so, or to label a person as wearing his piety on his sleeve. In neither case are we saying something commendable about such a person. Most of us aren't really comfortable with someone overtly and overly religious. Jesus' admonition, don't hide your light under a bushel, gets translated into, whatever else you do, please don't cast any light on your religious convictions. Despite such current misusage, piety is a good word. Rooted in the Latin word for dutiful, piety means religious devotion to God. Dutiful conduct Note that piety is not about personal as opposed to public duty. Piety is the performance of religious duty, religious practice, period. The piety of Jesus, then, is concerned with how Jesus practiced his faith. I think there's universal agreement among scholars, persons of faith, and persons of no faith that Jesus was a man who practiced what he preached. His words and his actions were congruent. The public life of Jesus and the private life of Jesus were consistent. Jesus was a man of authentic faith. Jesus was a man of genuine piety. To inquire into the piety of Jesus 
is to ask two separate but interrelated questions. What was the piety of Jesus? And what is the piety to which the followers of Jesus are called? In the Gospels, especially in the Sermon on the Mount and in parables such as the Good Samaritan, it is clear that what Jesus demanded of himself, he called his followers to do as well. And what he called his followers to do, Jesus was already practicing in his personal life. In his teachings and in his own behavior, Jesus radicalized the law, as in our text for today. The text says, the Ten Commandments say, don't swear falsely. Jesus said, don't swear in the name of God at all. Or the Roman law of his day allowed a Roman soldier to force a citizen to carry his pack for a mile. Jesus said, carry that pack an additional mile as well. His idea was to force the Roman soldier to come to terms with a religious faith so powerful it shaped a person's daily life, even in an oppressive situation. Duty for Jesus was duty to care for another. In the parable of the Good Samaritan, the failing of the scribe and the Levite was they saw their duty to attend to so-called religious duties and rituals, even at the price of leaving a wounded man in a ditch. The virtue of the Samaritan was he saw his real duty and he did it. The Samaritan responded to the wounded man because he was filled with compassion. This is the essence of Jesus' own piety, to have compassion for those in need. So it is that Jesus, when those 5,000 people came to hear him preach, but none of them thought to bring a lunch, they got hungry, Jesus was filled with compassion and performed the miracle of the loaves and fishes. And at the end of his ministry, Jesus looks on Jerusalem and is filled with compassion for the city, aching for the misery of its inhabitants. Compassion is the heart of the piety of Jesus. The piety of Jesus sets a pretty high standard, to say the least, What kind of piety are we who follow Jesus called to pursue? Again, the Sermon on the Mount is a key text. Jesus calls his followers to a higher manner of life than other women and men. Jesus says, even gross sinners show love for one another. But you are to love your enemies And to pray for those who persecute you. Jesus calls us to a higher, holier life than those who do not follow him. Jesus calls his followers to do more than the law requires. Jesus says, don't be guided by the least of what the law demands. Be guided by the most that compassion draws you to do. So it is, when someone asks him, Who is my neighbor? That is, to whom shall I be required to show compassion? Jesus responds with a parable that illustrates a man who was a neighbor.
to a man in need. Jesus said, you are freed from the demands of the law so you can respond more deeply with more compassion as the situation demands. In the Gospel of John, Jesus put it this way, a new commandment I give you, love one another. This doesn't mean the commandments of the Hebrew Bible are thrown out the window. It means rather that the law of love calls us to do even more than the commandments require of us. And what should this life of compassion look like? The piety of those who follow Jesus is to be marked by particular attitudes and behaviors. The author of Colossians, a follower of Paul, put it this way, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bear with one another, and if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Love, compassionate, other-directed love, is the mark of the Christian life. Jesus says, be perfect, as your God is perfect. Well, that will never happen, of course. We will never approach the perfection of God, but we can reach for perfection. Jesus calls us to aspire to perfection, not that we will become perfect, but so that we might become at least a little more perfect. Jesus calls his followers to pursue their own perfection but he never calls us to demand perfection from others. In fact, he warns against it, saying, don't look for the speck in your neighbor's eye when you have a big old log in your own eye. The drive for perfection, the aspiration for a more holy, more Christ-like life is a journey we commit ourselves to, not one we demand of others. The aspiration to perfection is never perfection for perfection's sake. We seek to become more Christ-like in order to bring Christ more fully into the lives of others. We show Christ-like compassion to extend the good news of Christ to a hurting and broken world. We seek to be more Christ-like to share in the joys the Christian life offers and to bring those joys to a sorrowing and sinful world. The story is told of a missionary of an earlier generation who moved to a remote area and began preaching the gospel. The villagers were polite enough, even attended his services, but none of them responded to his invitation to follow Christ. Then one day he preached from a portion of our text from Matthew for today. Give to everyone who wants to borrow from you. The next day, the chief came to his door and asked for a chair. The missionary was a little confused since the chief had never even spoken to him before. But the missionary gave him a chair. A while later, there was another knock at the door and a man asked for a table. 
Again, the missionary responded and gave him a table. All afternoon this went on until finally the missionary had nothing left in his house. Then came still another knock at the door. It was the chief again, with the whole village behind him, carrying the missionary's possessions behind him. The missionary asked, What gives? The chief replied, We have heard many missionaries before and didn't know if we could trust you. Today we know that you are a man of your word and a man of your God's word. Now tell us about this Jesus. Jesus said, be perfect as God is perfect. Now clothe yourselves with love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of Jesus. Amen.